It's so good to be in God's house. You know, this is a, a just just an amazing season. It's a great time to be alive. Great time to preach the gospel. You know, um, yeah, times are weird, strange, and it's all right. You know. <sighs> okay. Takes me a little bit to get situated. I'm I'm gonna be uh, better every week, faster. Uh, you'll see me walking faster, standing better. You know, just uh, a little quick update. Um, uh, physical therapy is going better. Um, doing new exercises. My legs remembering how to work. It's crazy how I got created the body, you know. It's like um, some of these muscles just haven't been used in a while. And they're like, what? What? Are we, are we like, oh. And they're like, no, you can do that. You can do that. And then all of a sudden, like, they're doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed, like stuff I can do. I'm like, this used to be so normal, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's just all part of the, the healing and the recovery and getting your strength back and all that stuff. So, um, but, um, it's been a, a, a physical journey, a spiritual journey and a journey of the heart, you know? And, um, and like I told you, I am putting together a good, a good, uh, list of uh, things that I will share with you, you know, next few weeks, not today. Stuff will be coming out just like it did last, you know, last week. But um, I'm going to put together this journey and and I want to share with you the the key points of what what I believe uh, has given me breakthrough at every step, every milestone, you know, because I believe these are spiritual principles that will apply to not just if you have a, a leg accident, but, you know, just anytime in, you know, in in life where you find yourself in a hole, you know, in a ditch, you know, in, in a dark place. And, and the Lord wants to always bring us out of that, you know. I said the grace of God is not just to, to save us, but it's to empower us. It's like the fuel that will just launch us into fulfilling the calling for God uh, of God to our lives, you know. Like grace is so much more than just like, I give you grace, I forgive you, you know. No, grace isn't just a rope that pulls you out of the pit. Grace is the, the rocket ship that you get into, you know, that God set up for you, that launches you into living a righteous life, you know, into accomplishing everything that God has for you. So his grace is amazing, and sometimes we've watered it down to this, like, ooh, grace for that, ooh, grace for this, grace, 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 and it's like, it's so much more than that, you know, so we'll be talking about grace as well uh, in the next few weeks, but um, anyway, so what we're going to talk about today, we're going to... Uh, get back in uh, into the Word and kind of follow through um, with after our, we know our identity. So, so it's been a journey. If you've been here in the last, you know, six months, you know, we talked about the nature of God, that God is good, always good, and only good, right? And to a lot of people, that, that rubs them the wrong way because they've had experiences where they have, where, that has made them question the goodness of God, Right? And so we, we talked about that in detail, you know, and then we talked about, uh, I started talking, once we know who God is, then, then now how does that reflect on us? Because it, it's going to lead us to who we are. When we know who our manufacturer is, we can understand a lot more about the product, okay? We, we are the clay, he is the, the potter, right? Okay, so, so when we understand who the potter is, we understand a lot more about the quality of the product that was created, right? It doesn't say, say made in China at the bottom. 
There's a lot of great things that come from there, but, you know, most of the time, like, oh, it's made in China. That's why it broke, right? Like, as we said, made in the U.S. Oh, it's tough, you know, made to last, you know? But um, so we don't have that label at the bottom, right? Because when we know whose we are, then we can know really accurately who we are because we know the nature of the one that created us, so we know who we are, and that gives us confidence, right? Built to last. Is that Ford? Something like that? Is that a Ford quote? Okay. Yeah, Bill Tough. Oh, Bill Tough. Yeah. And then once you um, know who you are, then you can easily know what you're supposed to do in life. And that'll bring you a constant flow of satisfaction and pleasure and joy and peace because that's what you were created to do, right? When something is used to do what it wasn't created to do, you know, it puts stress on that peace, right? It puts stress on it. And so that's why a lot of people live stressed out, level three stress that is killing them. But that's really simple. Know who you are, who you are, what you're supposed to do. Okay? And that leads us into what we're going to talk about today. And today we're going to talk about what type of life it's led us to. Okay? And for that, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles with me in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going we're gonna to be reading out of that for... For a little bit. Is everybody doing all right? Yeah. You can see me, right? At least my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing um, how God works that in, you know, at a time where, you know, when we first moved into this building, I lived here. Before the sun came up and after the sun went down, I was here. I was doing a lot of things, you know, just building this and, and, and fixing things and putting things together. And, and now we are in the middle of an expansion, and I only come here on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing, you know, the, just the body and the family and everybody just doing, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, and what they're good at is just like, you know, launching us into expanding our church. And so, you know, I just want to say that, uh, the reason why we're expanding here is be because we couldn't find a building to buy. You know, our intention has been to buy a new building and to buy a place that we can, you know, grow. And and that's what that fund is for. You know, the first 300000 will probably go towards a down payment or some sort. On, but we're believing, you know, for the whole thing. And, um, and it's going to be a year at the end of July. So that's where we're like, you know what, we can hit that, you know. So just believe with us. That's all we've done every step of the way. When we broke the 100 and the 200, you know, it's the same way this time. You pray and you agree with us, you know, and if the Lord tells, tells you to give extra, then you do that. If he doesn't, you just pray and agree with us, you know. That's all. That's all we've done. And so, um, so we've been, you know, building that up uh, to buy a new building, but we didn't find a building, you know. And so we're not going to jump into or make something happen that isn't the Lord because we really believe where where he leads us is full of grace and favor and it's like you know it's amazing and that's how how it's been always every time and so our lease was ending was coming to an end here and we needed to renew so we talked to the landlord and he gave us so much favor and he said well if you want to expand you know I can give you that extra suite over there you know which obviously we'll we'll have to pay for it but um, he offered to give us a, a shorter lease so that, you know, uh, we wouldn't be 
strapped here for three to five years if we found our building, which I believe we will. And so that's unheard of because rents right now, I mean, these, these spots are hot and popular and everybody wants them. And so God gave us favor with that and we're like, favor leads us. So we went with that. And, and so what we're doing is we're, we're expanding the sanctuary that way. Uh, so our cafe's going to be closed hopefully only this week, possibly next week, possibly. It depends how fast things move. But uh, it'll expand that way. We'll have a new entrance. We'll have a, the cafe will look a little different. You know, Children's Church, if you haven't been there, I, I encourage you to go even just check it out. You know, you have plenty of room for Children's Church. You know, those, those are the two big places that, that, that we need to create more room for is here and Children's Church, you know. And so it's nice. They have plenty of room to run around and play, especially now that, you know, they don't have a playground or it's too hot outside. And so it's amazing to see this stuff happening, you know, even in the midst of craziness, you know, because, um, you know, craziness in my life with all this, all this stuff, you know, um, this uh, limits of mobility and things like that. But, um, but I'm so thankful for each one of you, you know, that is uh, continuing to pray and be in agreement. And, and so, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting to see that. But we wanted you to know that uh, the money that is taking us to expand all of this stuff is not coming from our building fund at all. God is so good to us, and I'm so thankful for the administration of the church that that we don't even have to touch our building fund for this expansion. Isn't that awesome? Yes. God is so good. So anyways, um, get excited. God is doing some great and amazing things here, and um, you know, there's always uh, room for more. So we need to invite more people um, because people need us. They need what we have here. You know, it's uh, these are crazy times. We don't know how much longer before the Lord comes back, but we know it's sooner than we think, sooner than we know. How much sooner? We don't know. You know, we don't know. But it sure is exciting to live in times like this. You know, we've, um, we've never had this opportunity, and that, that's one of the things that I've, um, I've preached before, and now I practice in a different way. Is we've never had the opportunity to give God praise, to stay faithful, because faithfulness is a big key for your reward, you know? And I'm talking about eternal rewards. Like, when, when we go into eternity and there's no more earth, God's going to give us rewards. And faithfulness in this life is key for those rewards. And so, so um, being faithful in times that are difficult, let me tell you, that's very important. That's very, very important. And then uh, worshiping in the middle of these times, you know, what it does is it produces a different fragrance that you've never given God before. Okay, think, think of it this way. Your life is a fingerprint, okay? You have a past, you have wounds, you have things, you have a history, things you've been through, okay, that nobody else has, at least not in the same way, order, shape, form, and situation that you have. You following me? And so the worship and the faithfulness and, and the faith, okay, that comes out of your life goes up to God as a fragrance, right, that is unlike anybody else's because it's a fingerprint. You understand that? The components of your worship, the components of your faithfulness, and the components of your faith, of the faith that you stand on, are like nobody else's. 
So that's why we can look at this as, an, as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yes, things are getting crazy, and they might get crazier for the world, okay? But we live in God's promises. We live in the kingdom of heaven. That's our place. And we can live life in a different way because of that. And so when we offer that to, to the Lord, it's an opportunity of a lifetime that you never had before and you never will again. Not like this. Last year, we had an opportunity to do that, right? When the world was going crazy. Well, don't worry. If you missed that opportunity or like Kara said, if, if you didn't do so good on that test, don't worry. That was just like a, a test test, you know? Like, like things are going to get crazier in the world. But I believe we live under the protection of the Lord. Amen. And things are going to get better for us. I really believe with my heart. While it gets worse for the world, it'll get better for us. Wait, wait, but not every believer had a good time last year. Right? Why do you think that is? Because if we go with the ways of the world and the beliefs of the world and the attitudes of the world and we conform to the world, guess what? We're going to experience the same thing that the world is experiencing. Right? Romans 12 tells us that's why the reason you don't conform, you don't become like, you don't think like, speak like, see things like the world does. Why? Because we're not of this world. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? It's exciting. Okay, no more shouting, please. <laughs> so, it leads us into this life. Who, uh, what, what is this new life, right? Now that I know who I am, whose I am, now that I know what I'm supposed to do, okay? We, we are uh, in what Colossians calls uh, newness of life. So if you go with me to uh, Colossians chapter 3, this is an incredible, probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's just so, so rich. So I want to read through it with you. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And, um, and we'll pause throughout, throughout the thing. You can make notes, highlight, whatever you need to do. And, um, and just get some understanding of what's going on. Um, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, okay, we've been raised to new life with Christ, right? Um, in uh, Romans, it tells us that, you know, if we, if we believe in our heart, Romans 10, right, and we confess with our mouth, we believe, we confess that the Lord, uh, that Jesus is our Lord, and we, can, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and it says we will be saved, Right? So we established that last week, you know, that there's a lot of people that are saved that came out of Egypt. Do you remember what Egypt represents? Egypt represents the old life when you were a slave to sin, okay? It's important that you're tracking with me with, because I'm going to re, uh, make reference to all these New Testament allegories and, and things that we need to compare to, okay? And so, so we say we were set free. When we got saved, we were set free from slavery, which in our case, it was sin that had power over our lives, okay? We were slaves to sin, and we were set free, okay? And we now are into the desert, but there is more than a desert. There is a promised land, okay? There's a land of milk and honey, okay? There's a land full of his promises, of rest, right? In the desert, there was no rest. There were still you know, making their way into the promised land, okay? 
And so in the same way, when we believe in the Lord Jesus and we confess with our heart, we, be, we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart, right, that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. We're set free from Egypt. Now, now we have what John 1 says. When I, I told you guys, uh, John 1, 12, it says that to those that received him, to those that believed in him, he gave the power or the option or the ability, right, to become sons and daughters. And that is the reason why there's a lot of believers that are saved, that live in the desert, that never experience the promises of God, that never experience abundant life, John 10, 10, right? There's a lot of them that stay in the desert and never go into the rest, into the promised land of God, into experiencing his promises. Because they never take that opportunity of John, uh, John 1, 12, where it says that you have the right, the, the potential, the power, the ability to become a daughter or a son of God. And becoming a son and a daughter of God is not just knowing your identity, but it's also acting like it. And I'll skip into this. I'll say it many times today, but... Um, what that means is that this new revelation, for us to be able to live in it, has to pierce three levels of us. Number one is how we see things, our perspective. Number two is uh, our speech, okay? And number three is our thinking, and it's not in that order. It's actually our thinking, our perception, and our speech, okay? Therefore, this brings us to the next point, which... Um, it is that we get saved, but then there is a second process. We get free, but then there's a second thing, and it's a second battle. And it's the same battle that the Israelites failed at in the desert, but that you and I step into, okay? And that is staying free, okay? There's one battle to get set free, and there's a second battle to stay free, okay? I mean, I think even... AA has something similar like this, right? <laughs> like, you get set free, you get saved. You come out of Egypt, but then to stay free, that's the second battle, right? And that's the same with all believers. See, he delivered them from Egypt, right? They did nothing, almost nothing. Like they, they had to, you know, they went through the plagues, they were protected, they uh, obeyed, and they did the Passover, and they put the blood of the lamb over the, uh, over the door, right? And they were saved from the plagues, but then and they were delivered with a powerful hand out of Egypt, and they were taken to the desert. And, and when Pharaoh was coming for them, what happened? Moses raised his staff, and the waters opened up, and they walked on dry land, right? That was the first time. See, when you first get saved, God does a lot of things for you that you don't even believe. Right? He does a lot of things for you. You don't even put faith or effort into it. It's just like, oh my gosh, like this happened, and this happened, this happened, and this happened. Right? That's, that's when you get set free. When the power of God comes and sets you free, shows you his love, shows you his power. Right? But then what happens next is that when they're in the desert, God asks more of them. And he asked now that they would believe and obey him, that they would trust in him, that he would be their God and um, 
that they would, they would be his people, right? But they didn't do that. They, they doubted. You know, they, they forgot about him. They, they, they said, send us back to Egypt. You know, we'd rather eat steak and be slaves than eat this, you know, manna and be out here in the desert. It's like slave mentality. We talked about that last week, right? Slave mentality is just never enough. It's never enough. It's never good enough. And so what happens, they're out in the desert now, and it's required of them, you know, as a matter of fact, the second time that they have to cross over water, it's different. The second time they have to cross over water, God's like, all right, now you have to step in the water first. And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, you know. And before, God did it just, you know, easy. But the second time, it required them to believe and to take action. It required something of them to do that. Why? Because God's a God of, cov- God of covenant. Even though his side never will never break for us, it requires something of our end. It's a two-way relationship. See? And so what they had to do in this time, they had to step into the water, get their feet wet, and probably wonder, is this going to work? And then the waters opened up. See? So there's a... The first battle is to get set free, and the second one is to stay free, right? And it requires, starts requiring something of you. So in the same way, you know, us as believers, like, we, we get saved, but then many times we don't, we don't stay set free. He delivers us from things, and then we don't, we don't stay that way because we never get to what Romans 12 says, to renew our mind. And that is so important. And so let's talk a little bit more about that. So... We got through the first half of the first verse. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, where, by the way, is also our seat. Right? That's, where, that's our place. It's right next to Jesus, right next to Christ, okay? And it says to set our, our sights on the realities of heaven. In other words, if you remember when Peter walked on water, You know, for that to keep working, he needed to keep his eyes on Jesus. The moment it stopped working is the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and put him on the storm, right? The storm represents the troubles of life, the things of life, the issues that come. And the Bible tells us, like, hey, trouble is going to come. Storms come to everyone, right? One came to me, right? And the storm is loud and scary, and the storm wants you to keep your eyes on the storm. But what happens when you keep your eyes on the storm is what happened to Peter. He sank. So Colossians is telling us right here, it's like, keep your sights on the realities of heaven. That's Jesus, right? Because as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he was walking on water. Walking on water in the middle of the storm. Let's continue on. Verse 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Man, that seems hard, right? Like, what do you think about? Clouds and angels? What are the things of heaven, you know? Well, you have to read the Bible for that. The things of heaven are the things that matter to God. Eternal things, right? Eternal things. Salvation. People's, people's hearts. People's souls. That's important to God. The things that he tells us are important to him, those are the things of heaven. 
not the things of earth. I'm not saying that the things of earth aren't important. They're, they, they're important because we live here. But what consumes most of our time and energy? And if you can answer that question for yourself, you know where your sights are set for the most part. What, what drives you? What moves your heart? What motivates you, right? Is it, if it's all material things, you know, it's not, then you don't have your sights on the things of heaven. What is the kingdom of God, right? Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. And we've talked about this many times. The kingdom of God is, is God, his word, and people. That's the kingdom of God. It's him, it's his word, and it's people because he cares about people. He wishes, the Bible tells us, that none should perish, but that all would have everlasting life. That's his desire. So when we are driven, motivated, and constantly thinking of how we can touch people for him, how can today I make a difference, give a word of encouragement, point somebody in the right direction pointing to him? You're turning your days and you're turning what you're doing into eternal things. It's going from the mundane job you just, you just turn it into eternal. Why? Because your sights were set on the things of heaven, and you had what matters to God in your mind. Therefore, you did one small thing or many things, right, that were eternal. Are you with me? And so then it says in verse, um, verse 3, it says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. So in other words... If you don't get a hold of this, you're a zombie. Because it says that your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your other one is dead. It's gone. So my old life is gone. Therefore, the only life I have is in Christ with God. When you got saved and you became a new creature, a new creation, right? What happened? You got new life. The old one is dead, right? So therefore, if you're only living in your old life, you're like a zombie. The Walking Dead. Looking to see who watches that show. It's funny. It's so quiet, like nobody moved. It's like, look at your neighbors, see if they're sweating. No, I'm just kidding. So you die to this life, your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, and when Christ, who is your life, say, say with me, Christ is, my life. Christ is my life. See, some of you have never said such a radical statement before. Christ is my life. That's what the Bible tells me, right? This is the word of God. And it's telling me about me. That when I was born again, I died to the old self. Now I have a new life in Christ Jesus. And it says, this, is, this gets fun right here. Um, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That's amazing. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Lurking within you. Mm. That means you're saved, but there's still some junk in there. Lurking around, right? Fleshly desires, old habits. Okay, don't check out. 
says, so put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do. Say with me, nothing to do. Nothing to do. And it says, with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. You know why? I mean, Pastor Kara said it like four weeks ago. Because right there is, is, is where evil starts, right? Like, that's a big one right there. Like, what happens when free love came in the 60s? 60s, right? Free love. It caused a lot of unwanted pregnancies, which then led to, in the 70s, abortion legalized and started and government funded and all that stuff, which led to what we have now, millions and millions and millions of babies that have been murdered, right? And also has led to fatherless generations, fatherless generations, which is at the root of most issues in any child's life. Most criminals that are in prison didn't have a father or have an absent father. Do you know that? It's no coincidence, right? So where does it start? It starts with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Like those things we need to grab a handle of, right? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, right? So when we operate in who we are in Christ, then we're actually able to live a righteous life. It's not hard. It's not hard to live a righteous life. It's not hard to not sin when you know who you are, when you know what's been done. Okay, man, okay, let's, uh, it says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world, because of these sins, ooh, ooh, we don't read that part in a grace church, <laughs> the anger of God is coming, oh my God, oh, wow, that's crazy, but God's not angry, right? The anger of God is coming. What's happening here? So I want to tell you what's, what this talks about. Um, there is different dispensations of time since the beginning and the cre- since the creation of the earth, okay? Since the creation of man. Different dispensations. That means blocks of time, okay? That God designated for things. These are the times of God, okay? So in the beginning, you have, you know, creation and, and all of this, the garden, then things change, Right? And then there was no law. And then wickedness was so great in the earth because when there is no law, people don't even know what's right or wrong, right? And so it was so evil that that sinful, horrible stuff that actually starts right there with sexual impurity, uh, lust, immorality, all that stuff, right, rose up to heaven and it had to be judged. Sin had to be judged, okay? And that's when the flood came. Okay, but then what happens, you know, God makes a covenant with Abraham, right? And then we have the law and the prophets, a different dispensation. The law was introduced to show us that we needed a savior, to show us that it was impossible to do good on our own, right? So that nobody could boast of themselves and be like, look, I made it. I'm so good and you're not. And so, so Jesus came, right, for that. Well, when the, when the law was introduced, right, now it gave the difference between what was, was wrong, what was right, and all this stuff, and people realized they couldn't do it on their own. So there was the law and the prophets. But then Jesus came, okay, and he became the one and only sacrifice, 
Are you following this timeline? Okay. He became the one and only sacrifice who could forever put away sin from us, who could wash it clean, gone. Okay. Remember, before, sin could not be washed away, gone. It was just covered because the blood of animals could only cover sin. And it could not uh, cleanse our conscience. So people lived with guilt always. That's why the Bible tells us that for those that are in Christ, there, there is therefore no more condemnation. That's a big one. And a lot of people don't even partake in that part. And they still live under condemnation because the, the devil is the accuser. He's accusing all the time. And you agree with him and you go, yeah, you're right, I did that. Yeah, you're right, I did that. And you forget that the blood of Jesus washed away your sin, right? And that now you're righteous. And that guilt and the condemnation is not of God. And it cannot stay. So, when Jesus came, a new dispensation of time started. Okay? In Acts, the church started. What? And what, what do we have now? It's the dispensation of grace. Say with me, dispensation of grace. Okay? It's the time of grace. What, are we ta- what am I talking about? This is the window time in the history of the world. Listen, this one where we're living in, where there's an open invitation to everyone and anyone to come to know Jesus, to be saved, and to become a son or daughter of God. This window will end this time will end, and there will no longer be a dispensation of grace. That's crazy, because we've never known anything different. We, didn't, we, we know what the Bible tells us about the time of the law, right? In the time of the law, the, it was different. Like, it was hard to live there, and we don't know what it's like to live in a time where your sins were always in your face, Right? where you have to do all these rituals and things like that to be somewhat presentable. We don't know what it was like to live in those times. We've only lived in the dispensation of grace. We've only lived under the gospel, the good news, right? Sometimes it's pretty religious, sometimes all this stuff. But there's, for us, in our generations, there's always been an opportunity and a window to get saved. Let me tell you that. That's going to end. We don't know what that is like. What do I mean that's going to end? That when the rapture happens, we'll be taken, right? We'll go. Then the tribulation will start here. And all of those that didn't receive Jesus, that didn't confess him as Lord and Savior, that didn't receive the free gift of what he paid on the cross for, what's going to happen? They're going to stay here. And the tribulation is going to start. And when the tribulation starts, it's going to get really really, really, really bad. Okay. I hardly ever talk about this stuff because we're not a church that draws people in by fear, but I believe we need an understanding of, you know, what's going to happen and what these times are. And so, so then people can still get saved at that time. So I believe the people that will stay, but that maybe you talk to them about Jesus many times. You sowed many seeds, but they just never opened their heart to Jesus. They never 
confessed him as Lord and Savior. They never received the gifts of salvation. What's going to happen? They're going to stay here. But guess what? When everybody's gone and they realize it was real, they're going to give their heart to Jesus. They're going to get saved. Right? Yeah. Ah, it was true. It was real. They weren't joking. They weren't crazy. And, and, they'll, and the seeds that you planted will give fruit. And they'll give their hearts to the Lord and they'll be saved. And they will live through the tribulation. And they're going to get a lot of people saved. A lot of people could still get saved during the tribulation. And the great tribulation. And then, you know, the dispensation of grace will end on the day of judgment. Because... You know, I uh, I was listening to this preacher who um, he had a, a vision of heaven, Jesse Duplantis, you know, and and uh, and he said he was talking to Jesus, and, um, and he said Jesus that day on the cross must have been the hardest, saddest day of your life. He said, actually, no, the saddest day hasn't come yet. The saddest day is going to be the day of judgment. You know, so that day is, is going to happen one day. Guess what? None of us have to worry about that. You know why? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because we've received the gift of salvation. We've been saved by grace through faith. And so when that day comes, he's going to look at us and we're going to be like, yeah, you're righteous. Right? Not because of what we did, but because we received the gift of righteousness. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to read the book of Romans, okay? So the dispensation of grace will end one day, and there will be a day of judgment. And the people that didn't receive the gift of righteousness, the gift of salvation that was free to anyone who just what? Believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Anyone who didn't receive it is going to be judged on their own account. And we know that nobody, nobody could be made righteous on their own account, right? Are you with me? So, when verse 6 says, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. What it's referring to is the day of judgment. The sin that was not washed in the blood of Jesus of people who never received Jesus, or let me say it this way. Everyone's going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus. Everyone. The Bible tells us every single human in the earth is going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus. So the ones who rejected Jesus on purpose and said, no, uh -uh, I don't need him. I'm good. I got a good life. I don't need that. And they don't receive the gift that was freely given for us through the life of Jesus on the cross and the death and resurrection. Then Anger is coming over that. Why? Because sin must be judged. And it was judged on the cross, okay? And it's giving us this dispensation of grace for everyone and anyone to be saved and not to perish. Are you with me? Okay. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. That's not a fun thing to talk about. And we never, you know, there was a time where, and there still is a lot of this, you know, where people preach the gospel with fear, through fear. You know, fear tactics. And, you know, pretty much all they say is like, hey, repent, turn or burn, right? <laughs> repent or you'll go to hell. 
And the problem with that uh, way of uh, getting people to the Lord is that it starts the relationship with the Lord on, on the basis of fear and threat. And so they right away get a wrong idea of who God really is. See, if we preach fear, if we preach like, you know, if you, if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. And if that's the motivation, then, you know, we're birthing people straight into religion because they will always want to perform and try to be good enough and, you know, so that they, you know, they don't want to mess it up and accidentally end up in the lake of fire. <laughs> Never heard me talk about these things, huh? But um, it's important that we know the times. It's important that we know what dispensation of time we're living in. And it's the dispensation of grace. So I say thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Because right now, see, people, there's people that are probably going to get saved because they get so scared in the tribulation that they'll be like, ah, tell me where. You know, I just don't want this stuff, you know. And they'll be saved, you know. But then there is, um, our job is to bring people to God because of his love. Because that's what he wants. He wants people to know him because he loved them, because he gave his only son, because for God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16. That's the reason that he wants people to get saved, because he loved the world so much that he gave his only son. Amen? Okay, let's keep reading here. And um, it says, so put to death the sinful, I'm sorry, verse 7. So watch this. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Hello. Watch your mouth. <laughs> dirty language. Oh, my gosh. Thank God he put it on the Bible. Some people are like, yeah, I don't matter. Grace, grace. It says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Oh. <laughs> that verse is like so loaded right there. Listen, it says, put on your new nature. Okay. So in other words, take off the old one. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Who's? And become like him. Who? You see that? Know your creator. It's who you belong to. And become like him. That's who you are. It says in, news, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Verse 12. Since God chose you to be his holy people... He loves, uh, holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It says you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. <sighs> so that they can tell who you are. <laughs> clothe yourself. You know, that's what uniforms are for, Right? They identify you as, oh, you work here, or you do this, or you're this person, right? What are we supposed to be clothed with? Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Don't be easily offended. 
and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must, say with me, must forgive others. You guys, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not, you know, mad. I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm not, I don't know what you did this week. I'm just reading the Bible, and it's so good. It says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Two more verses. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, uh uh-oh, tell the person next to you, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, this is hard. Whatever I do or say, jeez. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Man. <laughs> hmm. So verses 5 through 8 is telling you who you are not anymore. Okay? Stop acting those ways. That's not who you are anymore. And then um, verses, verse 10, it tells you what Romans 12.2 says, 12, says, be transformed. Right? Be transformed by knowing who your father is, you know, and becoming more like him. And then verse 12 says, this is who you are. So now, act like it. That's who you are already. Act like it. So there's something powerful about knowing that you are something before you have to do it. Religion teaches you you have to do in order to become. But God tells you if you believe, you are all this already. Now act like it. You already have everything that you need for life and godliness. For a good life. You like nothing. You like no good thing. You're already all this stuff. Now do it. You know what helped me so much? Um, uh, in physical therapy, my, my doctor, Dr. Ryan, he's younger than me. It's a little bit unsettling, but... But he's awesome. He's so good at what he does. And um, anyways, he, um, when he would ask me to do something new, he would tell me, you can do it. Your leg, your knee does that. Your leg does that, you know. And then on uh, Thursday, Thursday, he's like, uh, all right, let's go to the table. He goes, but get on your stomach. I'm like, what? I'm like, I haven't been on my stomach in two months. What are you talking about? Just like get on your stomach. What are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? You know? <laughs> so he helped me. I'm like, oh, get on my stomach, you know? And I'm like not wanting to breathe or move. And he's like, all right, now lift your leg straight backwards. Like, you know, like, like this. So I lift the good one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I couldn't. Like I was like, He's like, I keep trying. He's like, your leg can do this. I'm like, okay, my leg can do this. I'm like, I've done this before, right? It's just been a while. I'm like, Ugh. so like three, four. By the fifth try, all of a sudden my leg goes up. 
And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm doing this stuff. I can't believe. I'm like, he's like, there you go. Good job. I'm like, what just happened? You know, it's something that was already, like I already had the muscles. I already had the, the connections and the ligaments and, and enough strength to do, to do that. I just didn't know it. I didn't know it. You know, it's, so there's something really powerful when you know who you are and what's already in you and the spirit that's been given to you, right? That empowers you to do what you didn't earn. What was given to you. It empowers you to do it. And so, you know, when I was telling you verses 5 through 8 tells you who you're not anymore, you know, verse 10 tells you you're being transformed and becoming more like him because you already have it in you. It's just like you just have to remember who you are. Like verse 12, this is who you are. This is who you are, so act like it. Oh, man, that means I have to stop cussing? Yeah, you're holy and righteous. You can. You can choose good words. You can transition through Christian cuss words in the meantime if you want to, like, you know, heck or darn. And <laughs> But make sure you have a plan to get all the way out there. <laughs> Shnikes, you know. <laughs> I have to land this. Romans 6, 4 tells us we were buried with him through the baptism of death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So how do we walk in newness of life? We need to know whose we are, who we are, what he called us to do, and know that he already put everything inside of us that we need for this life. We don't want to be from the ones that stay in the desert and never experience the rest and the promises of God. There's no reason to do that. We've already been forgiven. We've already been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. In Luke 5, 36, um, it talks about, um, Jesus says, no one tears a piece of cloth from, an old, from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. Okay? And then it goes and uh, says, same type of example with wine. It says, uh, nobody, no one puts new wine in old wineskins. What happens is the, uh, the new wine expands, so it would make the old wineskins burst, right? And so the Holy Spirit is the new one that's been given to us. Listen, we're new creations in Christ Jesus. We're given the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, at the end service, come up front, we're going to pray for you and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But... The Holy Spirit is the new wine that's been given into us. And a lot of people try to contain that with the old wineskin. And so the wineskin represents your soul, your thoughts, your mind, your heart, that it hasn't been renewed, that it hasn't been cleansed. The old habits are still there, right? Because you got set free, but you don't know how to stay free. And staying free has to do with renewing our mind. A lot of times we'll pray for people, we'll pray for somebody, and they get set free, and they feel free. But then later on, they come back in the same issues. Why? Because they got free, but they didn't stay free. Because staying free is that second portion where God requires something of us now. You got saved, you became a child of God, 
but you are keeping everything in the old wineskin. You got saved, you became a child of God, but you're not walking like one. You're not acting like one. You're not in victory. You don't have peace. You don't have joy. You got saved, you came out of Egypt, but you haven't entered into the rest of the Lord and you haven't experienced the promises of God. Why? Because that second part requires of your cooperation and that's the daily renewing of our mind. That's the daily knowing our Father and spending time with Him and therefore becoming like Him. You know, something uh, so powerful I learned from Steve Backlund is... Um, it's, it's that transformation, and, and we don't talk about it enough here, but transformation doesn't just come by the renewing of the mind. That's one of the ways. But the other way it comes, it, it's more of what we could see here in, in, in Colossians 3 when it says, um, learn to know your creator. That's knowing your creator. That's talking about relationship and becoming like him, right? When you hang out with someone for a long time, you start acting like that person, Right? You pick up mannerisms, you pick up words, you pick up accents, you know. And what happens is that that's the part that we miss. So the renewing of the mind, yes, comes by, I mean, sorry, transformation comes by renewing our mind, but the other part it comes by is by beholding. By beholding the glory of God. How do we behold the glory of God? That happens in worship. That happens in prayer. That happens when you're reading the word and you're going, oh my gosh, he's so good. He's so amazing. He loves me more than I deserve. When you stay quiet before him, whether it's times of worship or times of prayer, and you're just in his presence and you're just beholding, and that's 1 Corinthians 13. You go and you read that. That's how we are also transformed. It says being transformed as we behold him, as we behold his glory. So let's not just renew our mind and, you know, do that part. Let's do both parts because this is the part it's talking about here in Colossians. Did you, are you able to follow everything you're saying? You know, I know we, we kind of just stayed in one scripture and so I really will have to get past the introduction next week. <laughs> but there's no point in giving you just a ton of information if, if you don't understand it. And it's important that we understand that we are set free but then it requires our cooperation to stay free and to actually step into the promised land and start experiencing rest in the promises of God. In the process of my healing, um, I'm going to ask James to come up. I'm getting ready to close here. And, uh, and it's just stand up with me too. Um, in the process of my healing, um, you know, I, I grew up in the faith movement. I know how to, confess, declare the word of God, write it all over, you know, and, and, and all that, right? I know his promises. And so I had the one side of faith that was just saying like, yes, do this, do that. Did you confess today? Did you declare today? Oh, I forgot to say that one scripture today. Oh, and this, this one, this one, this one. And the Lord gave me a word said, okay, you have to rest in the promise. And rest doesn't mean to do nothing. Rest means to rest in the knowledge that you have, right, of what's been done for you. Because you could so easily fall into works of the flesh while trying to stay in faith. I don't know many of you know what that means. But, you know, when you're like, oh, I didn't declare it 100 times today. Ah, I only declared it 90. It's not going to happen. That's, those are the works of the flesh. 
you know, that look like faith, but they're not faith. So in the same time, the same way, whatever promise of God you're, you're waiting on, whatever thing you, you, you're believing for and standing, remember constantly that it's not in the striving and it's not in the doing, but it's in the resting in Him. I love that song that says, you know, I will rest in your promises. Your faithfulness is my confidence. Close your eyes. Let me, let me pray. <clears throat> it's his faithfulness that is our confidence. That he is who he, who he says he is. And that he will do what he said he will do. And just a grain of faith. A grain of mustard size faith can move a mountain. I just need to rest in that. I'm not saying don't declare. I'm not saying don't confess. We need to speak. Our faith and, and the power that we wield is, is speech activated, you know. But it has to come from a place of rest. What did he promise? What did he say he would do? And learn to rest in that. That's when we walk into the promised land of rest. So Jesus, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now, would you fill everyone in this place? Would you fill us today? Fill us up, Holy Spirit. New wine, fresh anointing. Hey, with your eyes closed, I want to ask you something. If you want to feel the Holy Spirit like that song says, it says, Spirit, when you come, you make my heart pound. Man, I've felt that a hundred, hundreds of times. The Holy Spirit comes, he, he makes your heart pound, and you almost feel like butterflies in the stomach. If you want that this morning, okay, just lift your hands up with your eyes closed. Just, just as if you are going to receive it right now. you Holy Spirit you're in this room you're moving and so right now ask you Holy Spirit would you blow in this room and would you fill us right now in Jesus name Holy Spirit fill right now everybody that has their hands up would you fill them right now in the name of Jesus would you fill them and make their hearts pound thank you thank you for your embrace right now Holy Spirit Ooh, just receive it now in Jesus' name. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Ooh, you're so sweet. We love your presence. We love your infilling. We love it when you fill us up. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, take a deep breath right in there. He's the breath of life. Yes. Become a good drinker of the Holy Spirit. The new wine. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. And that's the peace that passes in understanding. A peace that comes for no other absolute reason other than he's filling you up. He fills you up. He comforts your heart. Thank you, Jesus.